showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. We are here in jolly old England in our recording studio set up at 221B Baker Street. I am, of course, your host, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, and we've got some crazy mix-em-ups today. Our old friend Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados, could not be here today. He is spending the day with his lovely wife. It's her birthday, so happy birthday, Lady Cristados. So filling in to be the Watson to my Sherlock is Ryan Daly. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Something, something, diabetes. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Diabetes. I tried to work it for you. It didn't didn't (laughs) land. Okay. (laughs) Do you own a cotton candy machine, Ryan? I do not. Do I need one for this? Hmm. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Also, we have with me today, we have my older, wiser brother, the Mycroft in my Sherlock. It is Jason Albrecht. No substitute for him today. Welcome back to the show, Jason. Bring me my Christmas pudding, well, bring me my Christmas pudding, well, bring me my Christmas pudding so I can break out of jail. See, often nice. use uh, second lyric to the song. <laughs> Remix! <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. Jason's back. No substitutes for him. But speaking of substitutes, we've lost our Bobby Wilkins. He is out today as well, doing some family stuff. But hey, you know what? We don't fool around on this show. We bring in the best of the B-team talent when he's gone. And speaking of the best of the B-team talent, <laughs> we have with us Dave Silverhands Collins. Welcome back to the show, Dave. <laughs> nice. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Hello. How are y'all today? I remember when Delvin would get mad when we'd give people dark web. I think he's going to get madder <laughs> now that we've given him silver hands. Now, yes. now, that it, now that it's me doing it, it probably especially because I know how he hates my guts, so it's all good. Yeah, he's just seething right now as he's listening to this. Well, to follow up on Jason's uh, beautiful lyric there, I'm going to throw in that I'm going to do some kind of dastardly revenge plot. Uh-huh. And beforehand, I'm going to shout it out to a huge crowd so everybody can like know it's coming. <laughs> that's that's, that's the ball, only right? way to do it, man. That's, uh, I mean, come on. If you're going to do it, announce it and then do it. I know. It's yeah. very baller to do it that way. Okay. Like, well, I, that's how I'm going to roll today. <laughs> Well, people might be wondering, people are probably really wondering what the hell this show is all about if this is their first time. So since Pat's not here, Jason, can I count on you? I don't know if you can count on me, but I'll do it. All right. I'll take it. (laughs) All right. So Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review, sometimes in-depth show brought to you by the Long Box Crusade, where we will be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of televisions, movie serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. On this episode, we will continue our indexing of all 39 episodes of the 1954 television series Sherlock Holmes. 1954 Sherlock Holmes was produced by Sheldon Reynolds. It starred Ronald Howard as Sherlock Holmes and H. Marion Crawford as Dr. Watson. So take off your deerstalker cap, light your pipe, get cozy by the fireplace, and let the soothing violin music of Mr. Sherlock Holmes whisk you away into the past. That's one take. (laughs) Suck it, Pat. I was just about to say, this is so weird. (laughs) 
That was it one went so take. smoothly. I, <laughs> I don't know what to do. You even pronounced Deerstalker Cap correctly. I mean, <laughs> it, it usually blows him away right there. I know. We are bad people. Well, since Pat's not here, and I've been practicing, I'm going to go get Pat's violin case, and I'm going to take oh, part of the show. Oh, 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 no, wait. Hold on, oh, wait, wait. Wait, the violin's not in here. It's just a note in the USB drive. It says, don't even bother, just play my version. Ah, Pat's thinking ahead. Now I don't feel bad about making fun of his show description prowess. Anyway, let's play the Pat version. Let's roll it. from that sounds great but it's just not the same when he's not here doing it live i know ryan you can be all right over there um, i think i'm bleeding inside my chest but yeah <laughs> ryan had a rough night last night everybody he had a rough flight from u.s to london he's just hanging on by a thread we'll those in. red eyes will kill you every time we'll check never talk about fight club ryan never talk about fight club <laughs> do we have any medicinal stuff for these pipes that we could give to ryan I'm pretty sure Pat did that, too. (laughs) Yeah, I think we had some brandy. (laughs) If we only knew an importer-exporter that could get us something over here. (laughs) Well, as Delvin is away and Ryan's knocking on Heaven's door, Dave, how do you feel about doing the episode info? How You ready to join the big leagues? Hold on. Lion face, lemon face, lion face, lemon face. Okay, I I think I'm ready. Episode info is all you, buddy. Episode 23 was titled The Case of the Christmas Pudding. Original air date was 4 April 1955. Director Stephen Priven, writer George and Gertrude Foss. Guest stars Eugene Deckers as John Norton, one of my personal favorites. June Rodney as Bess Norton. Richard Watson as The Warden. As a reminder, all 39 episodes are available on YouTube. We highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode, and then we're going to discuss it. So there are probably some spoilers heading your way. So again, if you haven't watched the episode, we recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, then come back and join our discussion. And at only 26 minutes per episode, it's not a big time demand. For those of you who have been watching along with us, we'd love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter using the hashtag I'm following Holmes. Hashtag Christmas pudding. Hashtag I'm following Holmes. Jared, bring it home. Hashtag Ryan's bleeding from inside his chest. <laughs> okay, so and now with that, let's turn it over to Jared for an episode summary. This episode begins where most cases end. Holmes and Watson have caught their man and they're in court watching his trial. 
The man is John Norton. The sentence is death by hanging. But as Norton is being taken back to his holding cell, he vows to Holmes that he will escape and murder Sherlock. And Sherlock believes him. The only item that Norton receives while in prison is a Christmas pudding from his lovely wife. And somehow that gives him the means to escape. Will he get the drop on Holmes? How did he get out of his cell? Do you really need to meticulously tie sheets together for a nine-foot drop? Tune in and find out. You took one of my comments. Oh, my God. That was one of mine, too. I was like, I mean, he could have easily just jumped. He took a lot of time. (laughs) He could have dangled from that ledge, dropped two feet. been on his way i mean he spent more time tying the sheet together than he did he could have been gone (laughs) safety first i guess (laughs) safety first that was wasted effort oh but let's go into our first round of highs or lows and we will start with my brother jason do you have a high or a low for round one sir yeah, I'll start it off with a high. I mean, overall, I thought this whole episode was a high, but I really like the character of John Norton. Obviously, Eugene Decker's coming back. We all like him, but I thought the character was really cool, and it seemed like somebody that could perhaps have a reoccurring role could be a good arch nemesis for Holmes, because he really had Holmes nervous like we hadn't seen him before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to start it off with a high with the villain. Yeah, I think that guy is like a perfect, almost like a modern psychopath. I mean, he's married and murdered five women women or six mm-hmm. women then married a seventh woman you know he has no qualms about killing the cop to get his outfit i mean he just he's a perfect psychopath for homes to go against i agree with jason ryan you still alive still alive good good <laughs> ryan it's your turn for a higher low my friend if you can make it through yeah, I'll do a high. Obviously, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about Eugene Decker's. Um, <laughs> but the first high that kind of occurred to me like as I was watching it was when Norton has escaped and basically he's on the run. Holmes has this line where he tells Watson, go see the wife. And it's like, well, the police have already been there. He's like, no, the police are probably under the impression that that's the last place he would go to. So, Watson, you've got to go there. And as Holmes is explaining, I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I don't think <laughs> I've ever heard. That, that logic does not track. So I was like, like, okay, this is going to be one of my lows instantly. But once Watson gets there, the cops are there. He's like, oh, duh. Holmes just sent me here to get me out of the way, making it so I would be out of danger's way. So he goes running back. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. They actually did anticipate. They knew that that was a stupid train of logic, but Watson just fell for it. So I like the fact they reversed it on me. So I like actually how that played out, that it was just a dumb lie that Holmes told, Holmes told just to get Watson out of the way to sort of clear the path for Norton. Yeah, so I like perfect. that. And I think I'm probably stealing somebody's high here, but I think it just leads nicely into uh, one of the things that was cool about this episode was Sherlock's care for Watson. So he just stole mine. All right. Well, let me pass. You, you expand upon it, Dave, please. Okay. All right. My high was that they always do a really good job of exploring Holmes and Watson's relationship. But this one, you really see the care that Holmes has for Watson. And then you see the care that Watson has in return. It's, you know, he just knows that he's in harm's way, but he refuses to leave his side. You know, Sherlock is is flummoxed because he's just trying to get him out. So I was going to comment with Ryan. It, it was so, it, so that made me laugh because I thought, yes, he's finally figured out a way to get Watson out of the way. I thought this episode really did a good job of bringing their relationship home. And they're together 90% of the episode. And I, I really enjoyed that. It was good stuff. Good stuff. Jason, back to you, sir. I agreed entirely with the assessment on the Holmes-Watson relationship. I really liked Watson to say a nonsense every time Holmes was trying to get him out of there. 
But I thought it had a lot of tension, like more tension than any of the other shows that we've watched. And it was really disturbing in an actually kind of good way, disturbing to see Holmes actually nervous. And we've never seen him really. He's always been unflappable. Mm. So I enjoyed seeing Holmes nervous and the stress that it puts on him and on Watson. There was just kind of a little bit more of an element of realism to this one that I really enjoyed. Yeah, and you mentioned this in your in your summary, Jared, how this one kind of ends where a normal episode would begin with the bad guy already caught. But that sense of nervousness, the sense that Holmes could have been his usual aloof self. Oh, yeah, some guy's threatening to kill me. He might escape, but I've got, a, I've got an out for this. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. He's not acting like that. And I think the fact that he does take that, I mean, he, he has a preparation. He has a plan, but he is credibly concerned that this guy will bust out of jail somehow and come after him. I think that speaks to what Jason was sort of saying that, like, yeah, I kind of wanted to see more of this Norton character. Like, I almost want to see the prequel to this episode mm-hmm. because I get the sense that it probably took a little bit more legwork than Holmes is used to to catch him. Like it, this was probably one of his harder cases, the fact that he was killing this many people and stuff like that. I mean, I wouldn't put him at Moriarty level, but the fact that just Holmes took this guy as a real credible threat to his own safety speaks that I kind of would have liked to see them kind of go head to head and actually see the investigation <laughs> that brought him down. Mm-hmm. I think Ryan is hitting it spot on because there's a point in there where Holmes even says, well, we would have had him before, but our witness fell apart. So somewhere in there that he had gotten him and then this guy had gotten off and went and killed again. So you're right. I think this was the way the whole menacing kind of environment was set up. It was like the tone of it was like this was a hard case to crack. I think Ryan hit a spot on. I don't remember who's high or low that was. Is that yours, Jason? That was. Oh, yeah, I think so. So I believe it is Ryan's turn. I will do another high then really quick. This is more of a shout out to Steve Previn, the director. I really like there's a shot when they go to see Norton when he's still in jail, but it's before his escape, obviously, because he's still there. Um, But there's a shot where the warden opens up the little window, Mm -hmm. the little view box to like see in. And you see Norton sitting on his cot on his bed and he sees Holmes is there and he gets up and he threatens him and he walks over to him. But the whole time it's like one shot of Norton in like in the room and it's completely framed by the jail door. And the whole time when he's in the cot, when he gets gets up when he walks forward when he like threaten he does like the hand motions to threaten him he's always in focus he's always in the center and it's just really good blocking and staging by the director so i like that moment definitely 100% that's a good one too yep dave you going to bring us home on this I'm actually going to go high as well. And it's going to be kind of technical like uh, Ryan's was. I thought the score in this one also added to the overall tone. They've been some times in the past where they've used the music to kind of set the tone. And sometimes it's whimsical and sometimes it's foreboding. But most of the music in this one was kind of foreboding. And they really, really used it to good effect to set the tone. I really enjoyed how they used that. So again, like a technical thing. Like, and I thought the direction was perfect. I had that same thing on my list with the uh, the keyhole there or the, the window shot. Mm-hmm. But the uh, music really helps set the tone of this one i didn't pay enough attention to the music i need to go back and rewatch it but uh you're always on top of the tech specs and we appreciate that well, well that's why you bring me sir you don't bring me for no bullcrap you bring me for the <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does norton does a very menacing whistle of good king wences list oh my god he <laughs> yeah, does yeah he does, yeah, he does. Yeah. Which, which actually brought me to probably my one low other than like the whole thing with him like <laughs> dropping down from the jail cell from the window which was a little bit unbelievable okay so they've they've gone to visit him they've seen him in jail and he's screaming at them he's threatening them after they close the thing so obviously it's not a soundproof gate you can 
still hear through that. But the next time, after his wife has delivered him the Christmas pudding, but it's the next time when the guard is just making the rounds, just checking on every room, he goes to Norton's room, he opens a little cage, and Norton is whistling a, a couple bars from Good King Wenceslas again, and then when he closes the window again, the whistling stops. He was only whistling when the cage was open and could actually like see him, but it's not a soundproof gate, so it's like, was he just sitting there waiting for the guard to open, and then he's just going to whistle? Oh, God, I can't. Okay, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have there. Did you notice that she had either the exact dimensions of that porthole in the I jail did bat box? Yeah. Slipped in there. Or she's just the like luckiest guesser. <laughs> yeah, that package. There was not a half inch to spare either. It just fit right in there. All right, can I steal something from another long box and do a what the? <laughs> I guess. Why not? We're off the rails officially. Okay. Okay. Say good. Because I, I got two of them. Thank One you. of them is, I know, right? I'm sorry. I got it. I don't get to do this very much. Hold on. Just give me a second. <laughs> So one of them is this guy is so dangerous. He's obviously a, was a hard catch. I mean, he's going to kill Holmes. There's a leg shackle hanging right there on the wall. Why didn't he just chain his ass to the bed? Mm, so that's just... one. But my second one is, I'm am I the only person who thought that the warden knew this guy was going to be dead? So he started macking on the wife thinking, well, she's going to need somebody when he's gone. You know, I didn't oh. that vibe, but I, I didn't either. I, I thought he was just wrong, being because nice. she was pretty cute. Uh, he was like, oh, no, wait, I'll take you to that thing. And he was like, oh, this pudding is beautiful. And I, he, I just felt like he was like, oh, this guy's going to be gone. He, this woman's going to need a poor <laughs> storm. <laughs> I'm just going to say, if this guy has married seven women and this one's willing to help him break out of jail to kill somebody, I don't want to follow that guy because he's awesome. <laughs> he's got something going. <laughs> He's, he's awesome. Goodness. What else you got, Dave? Clear off the boards. That was, that was my two. That was, that was it. I'm good. All right. One question for the group. Am I the only one that felt like this could have been a precursor to Hannibal Lecter? I did get yes. that. Yeah. That is a good, good point. Yes. And actually, what Dave was just mentioning with the kind of lecherous warden <laughs> creeping on her, that kind of speaks to yes. the, the warden in yes. Silence of the Lambs, who was good. kind of acting that way with Clarice, too. Good so good. I just thought, yeah. Does anybody else have anything burning before I go into the fun facts? I was just going to say that, you know how I like to try to figure out the mystery. I thought for sure that the way that she smuggled a tool into Norton's prison cell there was that she had it on herself and that she rewrapped it when mm-hmm. she said, oh, can I wrap it up and make it nice for him? Mm-hmm. I thought she put like a file or something in there. They fooled me. I like that. I like getting fooled on, on the mystery. I'm right there with you. I thought that I thought she because she unwrapped it on his desk and then rewrapped it. I thought she took something from his desk. I thought, oh, she she must have palmed something and slipped it in when she rewrapped it. Maybe she got, you know, one of the skeleton keys or something to pick a lock or something like that. Yeah. And I was wrong. Uh, I've got one of those. But I'm scared it's going to make me sound like an idiot, but I sound like an idiot anyway, so I'm going to go. <laughs> Just go. All right, so, <laughs> and I, this is really stupid. I know it's going to sound stupid, but they kept, they really highlighted that stupid little branch that they had for decoration on the package. Like, you know, it shows her setting it on there. It shows the warden taking it off. She places it back so gently. And then after he goes to break out, it's shows him drop it back on top i was like that branch has got to have something to do with it and after the fact i was like what the hell were you thinking but (laughs) they they showed it so many times i was like this has got to be something and i'm going to be blown away little did i know i was just blown away that i was being an idiot branch from the red herring tree my friend i I guess guess that's exactly what it was that's exactly what it was my last note was my uh, my first appearance on Saturday Night Theater was the case of the Larry Larry Crocker, 
with oh, Eugene Deckers. Oh, so as soon so... as I saw him in this episode, I was going to ask, oh, sweet. So when he's like, I'm going to escape, I'm like, of course he's going to escape. He's Larry Crocker. <laughs> he's he's, like, he's going to save You can't keep him in jail. <laughs> but he wasn't as fun-loving as our old friend, Mr. Crocker. No, and all of his dialogue was, you know, you could you could hear everything. You, there was never a question of what accent he was using in this episode. <laughs> That's right. Like Larry Crocker, who used like three or four different versions. Yeah, he was the Russian guy, too, that had a couple of different accents going on that one. But he is an amazing talent. I'd, I'd never get tired of seeing him. Well, you know what? Right. Speaking of which, let's talk about that in the fun facts. But first, we're going to start with Richard Watson, who played the warden. This is his second appearance on the show. And the last time we saw him, he played John Phoenix, the thistle killer. So he was a bad guy. He, he had thistles dropped on him at the end. And coincidentally, if you remember from that episode, John Phoenix was all about disguising himself as a policeman, which is exactly what the villain in this episode did. All kinds of connections. And speaking to Eugene Decker's fan favorite, I think he makes a total of seven appearances in the show. And I think we have two more left to go. So keep your mm-hmm. eye out. And with that, it's time to get into the pipe ratings. Should we even bother looking in the uh, chest to see if there's pipes, or do you figure Pat stole them? Wherever Pat is, those pipes are close behind. <laughs> yeah. I agree. All right, well, I'll, I'll open it up here. And... Nope, no pipes. It's chock full of pants. Just pants. <laughs> Y'all work that out. Okay, so apparently this episode, we all get five pairs of pants to give off because the pipes are gone, but there's pads in here. This has to do with Dave and Pat's import-export. Don't try to keep up, folks at home. But we're going to rate this on a scale of one to five. If you give it all five of your pants in this case, that means you loved it. Four means you thought it was very good. Three means it was good. And two is, eh, it's just okay. And one, I did not like it. And we will start with Jason. I'm going to start us off pretty high. I'm giving it five pipes or pairs of pants or whatever we're going to call it these days. <laughs> thought it had great energy, great tension, a terrific villain, and some wonderful camaraderie between Holmes and Watson. And a mystery that had me fooled in the end. So five pipes from Jason. Five pipes from Jason. Ryan. I'm only going to go with four. Uh, I really liked this episode. It was a fun watch, but I kept feeling like I was watching not so much a mystery as just like a revenge drama, which was still really, really good. It was really fun to watch. But overall, the final mystery being how did he escape didn't really matter. And it felt like it was just kind of like tacked on as an epilogue. Like, how did he get out? It's like, that wasn't the purpose of it. Like that, like that mystery of how he escaped didn't matter. The mystery of, was he going to kill Holmes? Was he going to get his revenge? The real central plot to it. So uh, just because it wasn't so mysterious and that part of it was just kind of incidental almost, mm-hmm. I, I give it an enthusiastic four, but okay. a four no less. Yeah. I think you're overlooking the other obvious mystery, which is how does Holmes keep a life-size dummy of himself in the house that Watson <laughs> doesn't know about? It's not a big apartment. <laughs> That's for the boudoir, if you know. <laughs> he likes to hang out with a, a life-size doll of himself. That's just weird. <laughs> Who doesn't? Don't you have a life-size doll yourself? I do. I call him Dave Collins, and he's up next. <laughs> hey, that's me. <laughs> Dave, um, how many pipes? Or pants? Because we don't have pipes today. We have pants. All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Jason. I'm going to get out there on that island with him and go five. I really liked it. I mean, there was a few what the moments that I was like, well, that's weird. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was a great story. The drama was good. The music was good. The camera shots were good. I just really enjoyed it. It's definitely one of my favorites. And, and quite frankly, when it's got Eugene Deckers in it, that's almost an automatic five in my book. He's just perfect every time they have him on the screen. Yep. Never get tired of seeing him. So I'm going to go all five pants. 
Okay, well, if musical genius Joe November was here, I'd give this one a 4.5. But he's not here. We don't do halvesies on the show. Oh, ultimately... Oh, man. I feel I feel the way Ryan feels. I feel the way y'all feel. I'm gonna go four. I'm gonna go with Ryan. Ha! Uh, just so, A, he won't be alone, and B, if it had Wilkins, it would have got a five. Yeah, that's true. It was missing a little Wilkins action. No Wilkins. Was it, no was it Wilkins at the very beginning in the at the trial? No, there was a Bobby there, but I don't think it was Wilkins. I thought yeah. it was Wilkins. Because I saw his name uh, in the uncredited on IMDb, and it wasn't Kate Richard Lark. Oh, okay. But, uh, it, you know what? I, I, more than Wilkins, I think the episode was missing Lestrade. <laughs> it would have been nice to see him actually care about the safety of homes and all that. But still really, just like Ryan, this is a really strong four. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And with that, time to go to the mailbag. Who's got the mailbag? All right, I got our mailbag here, but before we go into it, we are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, which is theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com, and early access to special long box episodes. So much more than that. So these are the fine folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. Bill Beer. Blasted or stash it. Bob Buster. Braxton Underwood. Dave Collins. Gene Hendricks. I, the Collector. Ivor Evans. Joe Thomas. John and Maggie. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Reggie Hancock. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Ronald Went. Ross Michonne. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim. Toronto Cop. And who is Scorpio? If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, you should be added soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you. You can send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. Now, you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do I become a Crusaders Club member? Jason's how not allowed to. How do I become? Dave, you're allowed to, and you are a member. And so you already know that it's simple. You just head over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade for as little as $1 a month. That's not a typo. $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. You should come check that out. Now, if you don't have any extra scratch laying around, but you want to help us out here at LBC Headquarters, please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you want to keep it short with star ratings, it'll help raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. So it is that time to get into our shares, likes, and retweets from our last Holmes episode, which was actually back in episode 28, because we did a Flash Gordon, and we did the Godzilla special between here and there. So we're talking the case of the deadly prophecy. So, uh, Jason, will you kick us off? Will do, Jared. I'll start us off with Aaron Head Moss. Followed by Al Sedano. Gotta get it. I got got to get it. I got to get it. Emmett Ganguly. Articulated Toy Den. Chris! At BTO and Batbook. Let it roll! Down a Class 1000, a Marvel Superheroes Live RPG. The caffeinated Clinton Robinson. And his blog, Coffee and Comics Blog. Comics in the Golden Age. Dave Collins. That wizard's just a crazy old man. Oh, get high on his own supply. Deborah Smith. DS and RS, which is our friends Darren and Ruth Sutherland. Frank John Petrick. Fred Reads Comics. Gene Hendricks. Jerry Green. It's a show. Green Lantern HG. Followed closely by Hal Jordan. I was Joe Crawford. Joe Bev. Jonathan Schaefer-Hames. Mm-hmm. Kevin Dale Duncan. Rad Adventures. 
Rick Heineken. Ross Michaud. Ruth Sutherland. Secret Wars Podcast, and that's where it stops. No, wait. Secret Wars and Beyond. Shingy 70. Tim Price. Come on down. Trekker Talk. Oh, boy. Here we go. Give him a beat. <laughs> Unpacking the power of the power pack, because the power pack power, the power pack power don't stop. That's the best I got. I'm sorry, Pat. I'm sorry. We'll wrap it up with Xenozoic Xenophiles. And let's go ahead and get into the mailbag itself. Let's see what we got here. Get some comments out from my paper noise. There we go. So, uh, Jason just read one off, so that means, Dave, you can grab uh, this here comment. All right, so I'm actually going to go unpacking the power of the power pack, because he says everyone can be replaced, apparently, which is apropos because I'm a replacement today. (laughs) (laughs) It's a strikingly poignant The proof (laughs) is in the Christmas pudding. (laughs) (laughs) Deep cats. (laughs) Ryan, here's one from the bag for you, sir. All right, from Professor Alan Middleton, he said, My wife and I watched Deadly Prophecy together and both gave it five pipes. Woo. Mrs. Quarterbin said it was the best of these episodes she's seen so far. All nice. Right. Mrs. Quarterbin on the train. Let's see, I think this one's mine. Let's see. Okay, I got one from Green Lantern HG. He says, A patless, fantastic episode, gents. Mr. Connery did help. Help? Well, he was there. And we haven't seen Sean in this episode. It's probably for the best. I think this was one of the most violent Holmes episodes. Not only to Watson MMA elbow the bad guy, but Holmes also slap that kid. <laughs> Stop graffiti in those steps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that's probably he's not wrong. He's not, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Right, Jason, bring us home with... Uh, this i guess i'll bring it home with rick heineken who says sweet (laughs) very good that's funny that is good stuff and jason i believe you're here to wrap this up all right well that's it for this episode of saturday matinee theater if you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books check out the long box crusade Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> they can find that on iTunes, Google Play, and most pod catchers. They can also find us on www.longboxcrusade.com, Twitter at Longbox Crusade, Facebook Longbox Crusade, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Thank you, Pat. If you want to hear us on our track through all of the James Bond films, check out Under Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Just not here right now, Sean Connery. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I, I was going to make it. Play time. I know, I know. I interrupted the playtime. If you want to listen to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, just go to iTunes or Google Play or most podcatchers. Talk about my awesome James Bond career. You can go to secretpodcast.podbean.com or you can check us out on Twitter at OHMSPod. All right, you're the man now, dog. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Dave, kick us off. Where can they find you? I can be found at Old Ben One on the Twitters. Thank you, Dave. Ryan, how about you? You can find me, Ryan Daly, uh, Facebook, Twitter. I am part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Jared, where can they find you, sir? I am at Yard Sale Artist. That is Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can find me in your local emergency room taking care of Ryan. And you can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrecht on Facebook or Instagram. 
And if you want to interact with us with live chat and be entered to win some free stuff, and who doesn't like free stuff, on our live raffles, join us for our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube, and then please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Well, that's it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. Get your ray gun charged and get ready to throw hands. Uh, I guess there we go. Nice. All right, because our next episode will continue on our journey through the 1936 Flash Gordon serial Space Soldiers. We'll see you next episode for Chapter 6 and the meetup location, Planet Mongo, of course. (laughs) 